Good morning and welcome to this special place. We've set this space aside and this time aside to focus on Jesus Christ. So I invite you, if you're able, to stand with us and let's sing unto the Lord. created us and brought us to this place, and we in turn acknowledge you and express our love to you and our thanks. Amen. Let's say together the words on the screen as you remain standing. The heavens declare the glory of God. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the end of the world. May, May these, these words, words of, of my, my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, Lord my, my rock and my redeemer. redeemer. Let's sing, Be Exalted, O God. to the 
seated. Let's pray. God, we acknowledge you as the Great One above all else. We acknowledge that you have created us to be just a little lower than the angels. We are amazed at how you take mind of us. You pay attention to us even though we are made of dust. And as we look within ourselves, we echo the words of the psalmist and wonder how we can even know ourselves and discern our own errors. And so we pray, forgive us our hidden faults. Keep us also from willful sins. Times when we are deliberately rebellious, when we do just what we want, even though we know it does not please you or serve others. We pray that such willfulness will not rule over us. We want to be blameless, innocent of great transgression. Our true forgiveness and justification is in Christ alone. No guilt in life, no fear in 
The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. I'm going to remind you at this point in the service that after the service, if you want to contribute to the work of God's kingdom through this church, and through our conference of churches, you can put your offering in the box at the back. Of course, you may have done that on your way in, or a different Sunday, and that's all good. But uh, there is great reward, too, in participating in God's work uh, with our money as well as our time and our efforts. So let's pause to pray for the offering this morning. Thank you, God, for inviting us to work with you with all that we are. We acknowledge that all that we have is from you, and so we joyfully and generously give it back for you to work with it in new ways. The scripture reading this morning is from John chapter 21. I'll be, I'll be reading from the NIV. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to feed, fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Simon, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Good morning. Please bow with me as we dismiss the little ones to Children's Church. Dear God, we thank you for each and every one of the children of our congregation. We pray as they go to Children's Church now that they find themselves at a wonderful place. We pray that they learn new things about you they didn't know that will stay with them all their lives. And we pray for the teacher as well. Give them the words to say. We also want to pray a blessing on our service this morning. We pray these things in your name. Amen. All right. I think before we go on, were you going to make a... There we go. Good morning. Uh, you may remember a couple weeks ago, we had uh, an evening here. It was connected with our Thanksgiving meal, uh, an evening of acoustic music uh, in church, quiet music in church. And I would like to invite you next Sunday evening, the 20th, uh, a week from today, uh, we're going to have our second in the Music in Church series. And the, the second one will be loud, loud music in church. We have a, we have a, a rock band. Getting, getting things together and getting preparations. Um, and it will be an evening of, of rock praise. It will be loud. It will be as loud as we can make it sound good in this room. Uh, and I, I realize that not, not everybody is, is into loud music in church in the same way that not everybody is into quiet music. And um, about a month from now, sometime mid-December, uh, we're planning to have uh, choral music in church uh, evening, so I'm, I've penciled in for December the 11th, which is a Sunday evening. Although that may be, that may change, but on that evening we will get together here and we will we will sing Christmas carols together. And uh, so I, I invite you to come out for all of our music in church evenings, or just one of them, or some. Uh, do as your curiosity leads you. But next Sunday evening, uh, Gord will be having a devotional. There's a band practicing up. Um, Again, not all of the people singing and presenting are from our congregation, and you will see an interesting uh, and perhaps surprising group of people up here on the stage next Sunday evening. Um, loud music in church, please come. All right, thank you. If you have your bulletins on you, now's the time to pull them out. There's a couple things to go over. The first is that there are things going on even after the service today. Today at 3 p.m., there is going to be a care home service that we are on deck for. Bethany, Dawson, and Sheldon are going to be leading that one. And so if you have nothing to do, then I would say that is a place to go. Even if you have something to do, that would be a great place to go. Uh, at the same time, 2.30 p.m. is also Senior Celebration at the Summerfeld Church, so make sure to mark that down as well. 
going on this coming Wednesday, Kids Connect, 6.30 p.m. 6.45 p.m. is the prayer meeting that is going to be at the church in the back room on the couches. Uh, so I'd encourage you to come for that. Then 7.30 on Thursday at Beth and Dawson's house. That's where girls' Bible study will be. Then Sunday, we have Sunday service, worship service, but also we have a potluck. So make sure to note that down. Make sure to come prepared with all of your wonderful things to share for potluck next Sunday before 7 p.m. Next Sunday, loud music service at the church. I'm looking forward to that. Skipping down, November 18th to 19th. That is next weekend. Gladstone Christian Fellowship is having a women's conference. November 19th, Valley View Men's are also going to be having the men's breakfast. You can RSVP by texting that number there. Uh, YFC's fundraising banquet is also next week on the 19th at 6 p.m. at the Austin Hall. Uh, I believe there are still spots, but RSVP ASAP. You can do that online, or you can talk to Dawson, and he can walk you through that as well. But make sure to do that as soon as you can. November 24th, Circle Square Ranch uh, is having their dessert fundraiser here at the church. You can RSVP to Dan Ingram at that number. Uh, and Spruce Dale is having their fundraising supper on the 25th. And Carol Fest is December 4th at 7 p.m. We are having a team that is playing there, and also I'm on deck to open and close the night. And so you can tell it'll be a wonderful day. So December 4th at 7 p.m. Beyond that, uh, while David uh, did point out the offering box, also you can go online to the donate and there is all sorts of different ways that you can donate there if you've been interested on that. We are a bit uh, shy of our budget for the year, so check that out. Are there any other announcements? All right, then looking at items for prayer. First off, in the midweek email, I tasked all of you to talk to your neighbors, see what they could use some prayer for. And mine was a particularly easy one because the YFC fundraiser just happens to be next Sunday. Saturday, the 19th is Saturday. That's good, that's good. Uh, but I'd still encourage you all to do that. Go talk to your neighbor, find out what they could use prayer for. Uh, beyond that, Soon we are going to be entering into the season of Advent. We want to ask our Lord that our hearts are open for that. Uh, also, the last Sunday of the month is the EMC Conference Council. There are big things on the docket to be discussed there, and so we want to pray for that. And uh, if you checked your email, there was an item of prayer that went around on the prayer chain. Uh, Amber's father, uh, his best friend, uh, had to go in for emergency open-heart surgery. We still don't know how that is going, but we want to pray for him this morning as well, that the surgery is a success and also uh, that any recovery goes as smoothly as possible. And then beyond that, this last week was Remembrance Day, so let's keep that in our prayers as well. All right, please bow with me now in a time of prayer. Our Lord, we come before you this morning, first off, thanking you. First off, thanking you for our neighbors. Thanking you that we live in a town that is filled with interesting and wonderful people to meet. And so, God, we thank you for them. And Lord, we pray that as the days go by, we get to know our neighbors better. 
We get to learn the things that they need prayed for, and then we bring that to you, that we can be that a good neighbor to our neighbors in that way. But Lord, we thank you for our neighbors. And at the same time, Lord, we thank you for the season that is fast approaching, for Advent and for Christmas. We thank you that all of the years ago, you chose to come to be among us, to be human like us, to be born in that manger. And so now as we enter into the season of looking forward to that happening, God, we pray, prepare our hearts. God, we pray, open our minds. God, we pray, come before us in new ways. So that when we remember this year, we remember a time when we renewed our relationship with you in ways we didn't know possible before. God, that we put before you. And Lord, we also thank you that we are a part of a larger conference. We thank you for the EMC. We thank you for the work that they do to build your kingdom here in Canada and through missions across the world as well. And we see that soon Conference Council is coming up yet again. And we know that there are big items that are on the docket. So God, we pray for wisdom. We pray that you will lead us in the way that we should be. Lead us in the way that we should build your kingdom. Lead us in the way that we can be a part of this bigger body. That we put before you as well. And God, we want to bring before you also Amber's father's best friend. Lord, it is scary. It is scary to have those chest pains and it's scary to be rushed into open heart surgery but Lord we also know that you are the great physician we know that you have worked through the doctors and surgeons countless times before to heal people with exactly this problem and so God we pray be with them Lord, we pray that the surgery is a success. We pray that when he gets out of it, that any healing that needs to be done, Lord, that it goes smoothly as well. Lord, we look forward to hearing good news, but we place him in your hands. And Lord, finally, this past week was Remembrance Day, a time when we reflect on all of those who have lost their lives in war after war. God, we pray, help us to be a force of peace. Lord, we pray, help us to work in the world in the ways that we need to so that there will be no more need for young men and women to lose their lives. Help us to remember them and help us to do good by them in this way. Lord, all of these things we put before you this morning, 
and all of them we place at your feet. We pray these things in your name. Amen. And so this morning we come once again to our series on what it means to live in faithfulness. What it means to live in trust and reliance on God. And this morning we find ourselves in the New Testament. We find ourselves looking particularly at Jesus and Peter. And there's only one more service in this series. It's next Sunday where we'll be looking at Paul. And just by strange coincidence, I was looking through my preaching logs and that'll actually be my 200th sermon that I preached before and I since I've come here to be your pastor. So we're having a potluck afterwards. You know we have something to celebrate then, but this morning, the passage we find ourselves in, I think, is an interesting one that we want to give its due diligence all the same. If you have your Bibles on you then, turn to John chapter 21. John 21, verses 1 to 19. John 21, verses 1 to 19. This is right at the end of the book of John. And that means that the death has already happened. That means that the resurrection has already happened. And Jesus has already appeared to a number of his disciples. Mary Magdalene uh, in the book of John is the first person. And then after that, uh, to a number of the disciples, including Doubting Thomas, which is the story that we covered the first time we went into our series. Um, and while it's quite possible that Jesus has already come before Peter, this is the first time that we ever see them interacting in this passage today. After Jesus has passed away, then Peter denied Jesus three times. And immediately after that, we can take that he took off back to Galilee, back to the very place where Jesus found him in the first place. And there's a number of other disciples that are with him. And while the other gospels all end in Jerusalem, this one instead ends in a seaside town. There's something nice about that too. And we read that Peter had been out fishing the night before. That would have been the time when you would do most fishing at that time. This is before you have your ultra-fine plastic nets that are virtually impossible when you toss them into the water. The nets then are going to be made out of rope, going to be thick. And so you want it to be nighttime or just low light because otherwise the fish are just going to be nowhere around you. And Peter, when we first find him in the book of John, he is a seasoned fisherman. He knows this. So he's out on the waters all night and we see that he catches nothing. And so he comes before the rest of the disciples and that are with him. And then he's like, can you come fishing with me first thing in the morning? And so they set out. You can guess that he's probably not filled with terribly much hope because if they can't catch any fish exactly when it is, that is the best time to go at the second best, then you can read a bit of desperation in him because of that. But they set out. And off they go fishing, these professional fishermen. And they are still catching nothing. And then somebody calls to them from the shore. Have you caught 
anything, friends. That is what we read, Jesus says. And they have not, so they answer no. To which Jesus tells them something that if you've ever been in a profession of any sort would have absolutely been an infuriating thing to hear. Have you tried tossing the net on the other side? Imagine that, you who are worked as mechanics, you have worked as teachers, you who have worked as anything. You have worked as that all of your life. Imagine that, somebody who just comes up to the shore, you don't have any reason to know that they know anything about fishing one way or the other, and then they tell you to do something, have you tried doing this instead? And not only is it just try doing this instead, it's something legitimately kind of stupid. If you're not catching any fish with your net on one side of your boat, what is going to toss it on the other, and what's that possibly going to do? But nevertheless, they must have been desperate because they pull in their net and then they cast it on the other side and immediately absolutely filled to the point where the boat is almost sinking. And by my count, that's two miracles right there. The first is the listening to the Lord and having your nets filled. And the second is that this is probably the first time professionals listen to a lay person and then it turned out for the best. But then they struggle into shore. And that is when they first realize who it is that had called out to them. And it is Jesus. This is the first time that Peter comes as a major character after the resurrection before Jesus. This is the first time there is interaction between the two of them. The last time we see Peter to any extent is, well, he looks into the tomb, I guess, in verse 20. But the last time we see him to any great extent would have been when the denials happened. Are you with Jesus? No, I don't know the man. I don't know the man. I don't know the man who I have followed all of my life. And so, immediately after that, because of this fear, we read that he comes back. He comes back to the place that he started the book in, as if the entire time that he was with Jesus didn't mean anything, as if it's almost undoing it. He's going back to who he was before he had met Christ to begin with. And so you can imagine that now, as he's standing before the Lord, he is standing before the Lord just guilt-stricken, just filled with shame. And when I imagine Jesus then looking at Peter, he has a bit of a smirk on his face and says something, well, why don't you bring some of those fish that you caught and we're going to have breakfast, almost dismissing the feeling altogether. 153 fish is how many we are told were caught. 153 is an interesting number. There was a Latin writer at around the same time as John and he was pretty, pretty sold that in the entirety of the world there was only 153 fish and we're talking entire species. He might have been off by a couple million, but at the same time, that's pretty good in the time before submarines. Whether or not John is actually quoting this writer, we don't know that, but the point still holds. 
these professionals were out there, they were doing things the way that they knew that they should be done, they caught nothing. And then they followed Christ, they followed the Lord, even though it didn't make sense to them, and they caught every fish in the world. When Jesus first finds Peter at the beginning of the book of John, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. Those words come back to us when we see this. Follow the Lord and that's how you catch every fish in the world. That's how you build the kingdom that changes everything. But after they eat breakfast, that's when the two of them finally have that heart to heart. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? I love that line. Because remember that there is 153 dead and smelling fish right next to them. Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than this literal mountain of dead fish? That's what Jesus is asking them. But there's something pointed in that. That was what Peter was before he met Jesus. That is what Peter became again when he ran away after his Lord died, after he denied him. Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than who you are without me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you and feed my lambs. Feed those new to me. Take care of the children that mean so much to me. Take care of the vulnerable who can't take care of themselves. And then Jesus asks a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? This is the second time he refers to him like that, Simon, son of John. Peter is the name that Jesus gives to Simon, son of John, after Peter follows him. So to refer to him like this, it's like referring to who he was before he came to begin with. Simon, son of John, do you love me? And here we don't even get, do you love me more than these? This is just asking the question more pointedly still, do you love me at all? To which... Peter replies, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then look after my sheep. Look after your neighbor. Look after the rest of the congregation. Work to make life worth living for those around you. Look after my sheep. To which Jesus then asks one more time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And here we read that Peter gets a little hurt because I guess he's not one for dramatic irony. The fact that he denied Jesus three times and now Jesus is asking him three times, do you love me? Almost undoing that denial. Do you love me, Simon, son of John? To which look how Peter responds, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. There's a lot telling in that. Because who knows all things? Who knows everything? 
God knows everything. So in this response, Peter is saying, Lord, you are God, and you know that I love you. Then feed my sheep. Share the gospel to the world around you. Build my church. Build my kingdom. And in that way, the denial of Peter to his Lord is undone. Simon becomes Peter again, which we know in verse 18, where Jesus tells him that you will follow to a place where you won't want to go, but it will bring glory to God. While before you followed me and chose to become Simon again, now when you follow me, you will be Peter to the end. So follow me. It's a wonderful passage. And there's a lot we can learn about what it means to live in faithfulness from it. For starters, there's the entire part about the throwing the net on the other side and catching all the fish that are there. I think often we kind of, in our roles in the church, figure we know exactly how to do things. Or we find ourselves feeling instead like, is there any purpose to anything that we do? And this passage shows us that the answer to both of them is that if you follow the Lord, then yes, there is great value in that. Follow the Lord, and that's how you catch all the fish in the world. Follow the Lord, and that's how the kingdom is built. Even if you don't see the results immediately, follow the Lord, and you will be fishers of men in the greatest of possible ways. That's a part of what it means to live in faithfulness. To learn how to follow the Lord as we see him in the Gospels, as we see him in his word, instead of following how we know things should be done. Also in this passage about what it means to live in faithfulness, there is Simon becoming Peter again. I think all too often we come to places in our lives where we do things that we feel are just so against the will of God that there is no turning back. They're so either sinful or so whatever the case is that there is no coming back to the Lord. And this passage shows us, no, there is no sin that will ever separate us from the love of God. This is something that the church has borne out in the past. Not too long after John is when the great persecution by the Romans of the Christians happened. And a number of people, a number of priests, a number of bishops, they all turned away from God during that time to save their own lives. And then after the persecution ended, the question went out, are these people allowed back into the church? To which this very passage was pointed to. Yes, there is always turning back. There is always coming back. As long as you again turn to the Lord and say, I love you. Connected to that for the rest of us, 
we should never forget that it isn't our job to keep people out of the church once they've gone away. It's our job, like Christ, to reach out to them, to bring them back. And it is absolutely our job to make sure there are no barriers in place to keep them from coming back as well. But probably the biggest thing to take out of this passage as to what it means to live in faithfulness is there at the end, do you love me? You know I love you, then feed my lambs, then take care of my sheep, then feed my sheep. To follow the Lord, to love the Lord, is tied to serving the Lord. That is what we see here. Do you love me? Then serve as I have taught you to. Do you love me? Then feed my lambs. Do you love me? Then care for those who are the most vulnerable amongst you. Do you love me? Then care for the children in your midst. Do you love me? Then care for my church. Care for your neighbors. Make life better for them. Spread the gospel far and wide. Build the kingdom of our Lord. Do you love me? Then do this. That we definitely get out of this passage as well. It isn't something that is even separated. It's in the same breath almost. I think that's an important thing for us to learn because all too often when it comes to loving God, there is this arm's length to it almost. Do you love me? Yes, I love you, Lord. But, you know, I have other things that I'm doing. What other relationships in our lives are anything like that? Is your relationship with your boyfriend or girlfriend or spouse or any of your friends like that? Do you love your friends? Yeah, but, you know, I'm not going to ever do anything with them. That isn't love. It's not love to say I love you, but I don't want to be inconvenienced. Yet that's exactly what that does. But here, do you love me? Then spend time, then serve. But the flip of that is also true. When you serve the Lord, why do you serve the Lord? And in this passage, we're told, when you serve the Lord, you serve the Lord because you love the Lord, because you love. There is no service to our God apart from love. And that's also a valuable thing for us to learn about what it means to live in God. If we are going to serve God, if we're going to serve in the world around us, then we're going to do it because of that love, that love for our Lord and that love for the Lord, everything that the Lord loves. That's also an important thing for us to take because if we ever separate that, if we ever separate love from service, so we just serve without love, then that's when all the worst things in the world that the church has done happen. Because when you go out there to serve and you forget that you are doing it out of love, then it becomes far too easy to justify stealing or lying or cheating or slavery or... You name it, all because 
it's expedient to building the kingdom as you see it. It's built on a basis of not looking at your neighbor and seeing that they are a person like you, with hope and love like you, somebody loved by God like you are. When you serve the Lord, that is where you start, with love for the person that you are serving in the name of the Lord, because anything else Anything else is like Peter and the disciples in the beginning, casting your nets on the one side of your boat and finding nothing. But when you serve out of love, that's when you catch the 153 fish. That's when you catch all the people in the world. In our passage today, we learn a lot about what it means to live in faithfulness, to live in trust and reliance on God. And above all of them, there is that, that call to follow him. That, that is what it means to live in faithfulness to God. Amen. We invite you to participate in communion with this song. for communion now. In 1 Corinthians we read, For the tradition I received from the Lord and also handed on to you is that on the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way with the cup after supper, saying, This cup 
is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do this in memory of me. For whenever you eat this bread then and drink this cup, you are proclaiming the Lord's death until he returns. At McGregor EMC, we believe that communion is open to all believers. We believe that in communion, we join with the rest of the church that is alive today and goes back to the time of Christ himself, all joining with our Lord. We ask that if you have young ones with you, parents make the decision of if they know what communion is about. But at the same time, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, join with us. We will now hand out the elements. And as we do, I ask that we spend some time in reflection.
And together with all of our brothers and sisters in the church, we join the Lord. Let us eat. And together we join in the new covenant we find in our loving Lord Jesus Christ. Let us drink. I would ask you all now to join me in saying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We'll respond to message this morning and the experience of communion by singing, You Walk Along Our Shoreline. service at the care home at 3 o'clock or Alton Fest at 2.30 and potluck next Sunday. Don't forget that either. Now, for our benediction, we turn to the book of Numbers. May God bless you and keep you. May he let his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his face and bring you peace. Go now and serve our Lord. We cast our net, O Jesus, we cry the kingdom's name. We work for love and justice, we learn to hope through pain. You call us, Lord, together, God's daughters and God's sons, to 